Amen. Would you stretch those hands to heaven one more time? Come on, would you lift your voice? There's already such a special touch of the Holy Ghost in this house. Come on, would you lift your voice, ARC, and begin to pray? God, we thank you for your presence. Hallelujah. I'm telling you, there's a lot of churches in this city that are meeting right now, and they don't feel what we feel. Come on, they can't feel what we feel. You ought to be thankful that the Holy Ghost is moving in this house. If you're thankful for the anointing of the Holy Ghost, would you clap your hands one more time and give God the praise? Hallelujah. Amen. 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 If you have your Bibles, let's open to the book of 1 Samuel. 1 Samuel chapter 1. While you turn there, I'm going to say how good it is to be back at ARC in Carson City. Amen. Amen. Um, we have quite a few places uh, we're ministering to, but I, I have circled this date, and I've been looking forward to being back here with you all. Amen. I'm so excited about what God is doing. This building uh, can't handle too many more people. Amen. Amen. And I'm just excited to see what God is doing. I give honor to Pastor and Sister Hood. Amen. What great young leaders in the Pentecostal movement. Amen. Amen. And um, last night I, I was able to drive around with your pastor. I tell you, there's some, there's some people who would get into a church like this. They would coast. Amen. They would coast. Uh, but we drove around. We looked at buildings. Amen. And I was inspired by the vision your pastor has for this church. His heart is here. Amen. And what God has in store for this church, no man knows. But I'm telling you, the future is bright. The future is bright. I believe in their vision. And I also want to publicly give him honor. I haven't had a chance to do this. This is the first time I've been back here since uh, my pastor passed away. Um, and I just want to give honor to your pastor. I'm not sure if you're aware, and he's not the type to talk about himself. But this couple, amen, many a Wednesday night would preach here. They would drive four hours. They would be in the Bay Area, and he would spend multiple nights in the hospital with my pastor. He would come back and minister here, and he would travel back. And I want to thank you guys for washing the hands of my pastor. I'm thankful for every prayer, and I'm thankful for real friends in time of need. I give them double honor today. Amen. Amen. Would you clap your hands for your pastor? Amen. 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 I'm also thankful to have my wife here with me. Amen. My beautiful wife. Amen. Amen. Now, I brought her, but I also had to bring her. I felt, amen, I felt like Judah uh, talking to his father. I can't go back and see Pharaoh. Amen. I can't go back and see ARC without my wife with me. Amen. <laughs> amen. And so I'm thankful that she could be here with me. She holds the fort down. She holds the house down. She's anointed. She's a woman of God. She prays, and I love her with all my heart. And I'm just thankful to be in here. I feel the Holy Ghost so strongly. I feel the Holy Ghost so strongly. And if you're a visitor here today, you feel what I feel. You feel him on the outside. I want to tell you, by the time this service is over, God is wanting you to feel him inside of your heart. Amen. Amen. I feel such clear direction about where to go for the next two days. Today I want to minister, and then tomorrow night I'm going to challenge you 
But I believe that from these services, not because of me or my ministry, but just because God has ordained it to be so, that there are going to be some testimonies and some direction that springs forth out of these services. And so, amen, with the help of the Holy Ghost, we're going to preach. Anybody going to help me preach today? 1 Samuel chapter 1, starting at verse number 1, reading through verse number 3. If you have it, say amen. Amen. Bible says, now there was a certain man of Ramathaim, Zophim, of Mount Ephraim, and his name was Elkanah, the son of Jeroham, the son of Elihu, the son of Tohu, the son of Zuf, and Ephrathite. And he had two wives. The name of the one was Hannah, the name of the other Penina. And Penina had children, but Hannah had no children. This man went up out of his city yearly to worship, everybody say worship, and to sacrifice, can you say sacrifice, unto the Lord of hosts in Shiloh, and the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, the priest of the Lord, were there. Would you set your Bibles down? Would you lift your hands to heaven? I believe God wants to speak and minister and I do want to set the stage that each area that I'm going to minister to you in today is something that I had to learn myself. And I pray that I could help somebody today by the help of the Holy Ghost. God, we love you. We thank you for your presence. We thank you for your anointing we feel. We pray, God, that you would have your way in this service. God, we know you're here to change lives. We know, God, you're here to pour out your spirit. And we know that you're here to give direction. God, we're going to leave here giving you all the praise and the glory and the honor. If you believe the Holy Ghost is going to move, would you clap your hands one more time? Amen. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. The book of 1 Samuel records the history of Israel as they transition from the rule of judges to being a unified nation under kings. The first two chapters gives us the origin story of Samuel the prophet who would usher Israel through this transition, eventually anointing Saul as the first king of Israel. In the setting of our text, we learn of a man named Elkanah. He had two wives. One's name was Penina, and the other's name was Hannah. And as you read the scripture, you quickly learn that there was great discord and animosity in their camp because Hannah was barren, and Penina would provoke and mock her for her barrenness. But in spite of all the turmoil, the Bible tells us in verse 3, that each year, somebody say each year, Elkanah would go out of his city to travel to Shiloh. And there the Bible tells us that he worships and offers sacrifices to God. We don't know much about Elkanah, but one thing that is being painted here in this text is that Elkanah was not perfect, but he was faithful. We understand this more when we look at verse 3 a little closer. Right after telling us how Elkanah would worship and sacrifice in Shiloh, the Bible tells us 
that the sons, at the end of verse 3, the sons of Eli, whose name were Hophni and Phinehas, these men were priests of the Lord. Bible is sure to let us know that they were there at the temple as Elkanah would come to Shiloh to worship. When you read these verses, it almost seems like that last bit of detail was slipped in at random in our scripture. But the significance of this is huge. And you get an understanding when you learn more about who Hophni and Phinehas were. One chapter later, you'll read about them in 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 12 through 17, and verse number 22. In these scriptures, it tells us that these men, Hophni and Phinehas, were corrupt priests who were not only fornicating, but they were robbing the congregants of their offerings and mishandling the sacrifices that were brought down to the tabernacle. This was no light thing. Word had spread, and no doubt many were losing faith because of the corruption of the priests. Those who should have been the greatest examples had become the greatest hindrance. So great was their sin, they would soon be killed, and God would forever cut off the house of Eli. When you have this context, you realize how significant it was that Elkanah would yearly sacrifice and worship God. Elkanah knew, like everybody else, that the priests were evil men. He knew these men would steal his offering and mishandle the sacrifice that he worked so hard to bring before God. But rather than Elkanah allowing this to destroy his faith, and rather than Elkanah deciding to stop worshiping God, and rather than Elkanah deciding to stop sacrificing, the Bible tells us that he would show up year after year, time and time again. In season and out of season, he would drag his sacrifice down to a temple that had corrupt priests. He would drag and worship his way to Shiloh, uh, to priests that would misuse his offering uh, that he tried his best so diligently to steward and handle with correction. Because Elkanah had a revelation that I want to leave to each and every person under the sound of my voice today, that corrupt priests could not corrupt his worship and they could not corrupt his sacrifice. Amen. Today, with the help of the Holy Ghost, I'm going to preach to you from this title. And I want somebody, by the time this service is over, to be able to stand and declare this with me. I'm going to preach to you that you won't corrupt my worship. I'm going to preach you can't corrupt my worship. Today, I want to preach to specific areas that we need to safeguard ourselves against. Because if we're not careful, hear me, we will allow external circumstances to cause corruption to our internal resolve to worship and praise God. And I pray 
that by the time this service is over, I can minister to everyone under the sound of my voice. Because although we're all here in our Sunday best, it doesn't mean that life is at its best. Life can be hard. Life can be difficult. Life can be dark. Life can be depressing. Amen. Last year, there are things that happened in my life. Amen. That, that, that took my breath away. Amen. That, that caused my faith to be stirred, my faith to be shaken. Amen. How I perceived God to change. But it's my prayer that I can invoke a spirit that says my faith may shake, but my faith will not break. Hear me, ARC. I've come to preach some hope in the building this morning and let somebody know that today is not the day to stop praying. And now is not the time to stop showing up to church. Today is not the time to let your walk with God grow lukewarm. Can I tell you what time it is? It's a time to worship. And it's a time to pray. It's a time to serve. It's a time to show up. It's a time to go deeper in your convictions, deeper in your devotion. I'm preaching to somebody that it's a time to worship God. And it's a time to be everything that God has called you to be. I'm not preaching today that it's a time to dance and it's a time to swing on the chandeliers. Too often what we do is we allow our dance and our shout to cover up our hurts, amen, and remain in the shallow. But I'm going to be real with you today. What I'm preaching to you is that even while tears fall, that there can still be hands that are being lifted to God. That there can still be voices being lifted that says, I don't understand what you're doing in my life. I don't understand why there's so much chaos. I don't understand why there's so much darkness. But I'll tell you what, I'm not going to allow what happens in my life to cause me to stop worshiping. Come on, I'm trying to put a fight in your spirit that says no matter what happens this year, I'm going to worship God. I'm going to worship God. Let me tell you why we get discouraged. Because there are a lot of us that are facing turmoil, and we're thinking about a year from now, two years from now, five years from now. And when we look at the future, we feel that it's daunting, and we feel that it's overwhelming. Can I teach you a revelation today that you just have to make up in your mind? I'm going to worship God one more time. I'm preaching to you a revelation that I had to get myself. Come on, I don't know about tomorrow, but today I'm going to worship God. And today I'm going to give God everything I have. Come on, you don't got to worry about tomorrow. You don't got to worry about next year. Come on, now I'm going to worship. I'm going to worship and give God the praise. And I'm going to let the devil know. I'm going to let family members know that you're not going to corrupt my worship. You're not going to corrupt my worship. And I want to put some tools. I want to put some tools in your spirit today that will give you the resolve and the determination that no matter what happens in this life, there's one thing I'm going to do, and that's going to be to worship and give God everything I have. Would you clap your hands? Lift your voice. Lift your hands. 
I feel like the Holy Ghost wants to put some fight back in somebody's spirit. I feel like the Holy Ghost wants to push away the darkness. I feel like the Holy Ghost wants to push away the confusion. I don't have it all figured out, but I can worship God. I can worship God with all my heart and with all my soul. Somebody say amen. Amen. Today, I'm going to preach about four specific areas. Amen. That we cannot allow to corrupt our worship. Amen. I'm, I'm going to be real today. Four real areas that we cannot allow to corrupt our worship. The first area I want to deal with are hypocritical people. Hypocritical people. If you're going to make it to heaven, you have to reach a maturity in your walk with God where you do not allow hypocritical people to corrupt your worship. Elkanah, as we mentioned, was dealing with corrupt priests. Those who should have been the role models had become bad examples. Those who should have been most trusted were the ones who had become the most disdained. And Elkanah had to reach a place where he understood that his worship was not bound to the behavior of anybody else. Let me tell you why this is important. I've run into so many people. I can't tell you how many people I've run into who don't go to church because the pastor from the church where they came from was a corrupt person. I can't tell you how many people don't give and sow into the kingdom of God because the pastor from the church across the, across the United States, uh, amen, mishandled their funds and mishandled their giving. Uh, I want you to understand something today. Uh, amen. Can I tell you just because people do evil, it does not make the word of God evil. Just because people are corrupt, it does not make the word of God corrupt. Can I tell you what the Bible says about giving? The Bible says that if you would give, that God would open up the windows of heaven and that God would bless you. But hear this, preacher. We have allowed people who have misused our giving to rob us of our blessings. What am I saying? Just because where you came from, they mishandled your giving does not free you from the obligation to give and sow into the kingdom of God. So what do I do? You find a place where you can trust the man of God and you find a place where you can sow into the kingdom of God because I'm not going to allow hypocritical people to rob me of my blessing and to rob me of my joy and to rob me of my happiness. Amen. Let me go a little further. There are a lot of things that have been said in the name of God that were not of God. There are a lot of men of God who have spoken into your life and what they said did not come to pass. Here, I'm ministering to somebody right now. And it's corrupted your view of Pentecost. It's corrupted your view of the word of God. But I'm trying to preach something into your spirit that I can't judge God's goodness based off of a misrepresentation of God. Amen. Hear me. People will miss the mark. But Psalms 119 tells us that his word is forever settled in heaven. 
Matthew 24, 35 says, heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will not pass away. Hear me, people may be corrupt, but the word of God is not corrupt. People may be evil, but the word of God is not evil. People may be bad, but this church is not bad. Hey, man, I'm preaching to somebody. You got to fall in love with the word of God again and say it's a lamp unto my feet and it's a light unto my path. And I'm not going to let corrupt people corrupt my worship. Amen. There are so many people who don't come to church because so-and-so is a hypocrite. There are so many people that come to, that come to church and they say, man, all of those people are hypocrites. I'm not even going to go back there. Not understanding that everybody at your job are hypocrites as well. But can I tell you what, what is happening here? This is a place where we're becoming perfected. Amen. Hear me. Hear me. Amen. I know that there are times that we get uh, 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 at odds with our brother and sister, but I'm preaching to somebody. You can't allow that to stop you uh, from coming to the house of God. Uh, You can't let that stop you from coming to the house of God. There are people, amen, who are going to mess up. There are people that are going to miss the mark, uh, but I'm telling you, you got to always find a way uh, to make it to the house of God, uh, to make it to the house of God. Uh, I'm not going to let corrupt people corrupt my relationship with God. Uh, I'm not going to let corrupt people stop me from getting my blessing from God. I wonder, are there any Elkanas in the house? Is anybody already feeling what I'm preaching today? That says, come on, I'm going up to worship. I'm going up to sacrifice again. I know what I'm going to go, I'm going to find when I get there. But can I tell you, uh, come on, I'm not going to let that stop my worship. Uh, this worship belongs to Jesus. Uh, this prayer is for Jesus. Uh, the lifting of my hands is for Jesus. Uh, come on, the, the raising of my voice is for Jesus. Uh, and I'm not going to let somebody stop me uh, from worshiping God. Somebody clap your hands and give God the praise. plain. Others may not pray, but I'm going to pray. Others may give up, but I'm not going to give up. Others may leave this church, but I'm not going to leave this church. God planted me here. God called me here. Come on. Others talk about the pastor. I'm not going to talk about the pastor. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to lift up his hands, and I'm going to believe in his vision. I'm going to believe in the calling. Come on. God placed you here. I'm preaching to somebody right now. Don't let other people outside of these walls corrupt your worship. Amen. Amen. We're family. I feel like I can be plain here. Amen. There are people who have left here. Amen. There are, there are friends and family members that have left. There are people, amen, from across the nation, amen, that have walked out on God. And we're listening to voices. Amen. And we're listening to people that don't believe in God. We're listening to people who've never prayed a day in their life. Uh, can you hear this preacher? Don't let them rob you. Uh, there's safety in planting yourself uh, in the house of God. Uh, there's... 
Come on, you want to know who you need to lean on? You need to lean on the voices uh, that are inside of this church. I don't want to surround myself with people who don't believe in my city, who don't believe in my calling, who don't believe in my family. You got to get something in your spirit that says you're not going to corrupt my worship. You're not going to stop me from becoming uh, what I'm meant to become in God. Come on, I'm preaching. Is there an Elkanah in the house that says I'm going to worship? I'm going to worship and give God the praise. Amen. Because others are bad, but that doesn't make God bad. And so why would I allow a human to rob me of the power that is in my worship to God? You got to see this with me. Okay. You know, you would have to raise these animals from a young birth and take them to be sacrificed in your stead and in your place. That would mean that something Elkanah worked for for a year, he was placing into the hands of someone who was going to misuse it, who was going to rob it, and who was going to steal it. But Elkanah understood that God sees my heart, and God knows my intentions. And I'm going to worship regardless of what happens after I let go. I'm preaching to somebody today. Hear this preacher. Don't let hypocritical people rob you of your worship. you got to live for God. you got to make it. You owe it to your family to make it. Come on. Come on, nobody can pray for their family like you can pray for your family. Nobody can pray for your city like you can pray for your city. But you got to get to a place where you don't let outside noise corrupt your worship. Would you lift your hands and love God all over this house? Hallelujah. Come on, would you lift your hands one more time and worship God? I feel the Holy Ghost talking to somebody right now. Hallelujah. 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 The second area we can't allow to corrupt our worship is disappointment. Is disappointment. I know what disappointment is. Amen. But it's very critical how, hear me, hear me. It's very critical how you respond when you feel like God doesn't live up to your expectations. Amen. Can we lift our hands and love Jesus with me? Hear this preacher. Amen. There are people who have gone on to their reward that I felt like I needed more time with. And if I'm not careful, I can allow my disappointment or my feelings corrupt my worship. But I'm preaching to somebody that there are dreams and desires that we have that are not always in alignment with the will of God. And how we respond in these moments is critical because it will determine your future. Hear me, how you respond when you're disappointed will determine your future. Let's talk about it. I'm reminded of David. Everybody knows David, a man after God's own heart, the greatest king Israel had ever known, a man who made mistakes but was quick to repent, a man who killed giants and conquered nations. The Bible lets us know in 1 Chronicles chapter 22 that David's greatest desire was to build a temple for God. David's greatest desire, and we're talking about a man that had everything, he was the king. 
He had defeated nations. Amen. He knew what it was like to have riches. But his greatest desire, this shows you his heart, was to build a temple for God. But guess what? The Bible tells us that God says no. Because David's hands had shed too much blood. That he would not be able to build the temple. He would have to let his son build it instead. You know what David could have done? He could have given in to the disappointment he must have surely felt. He could have, uh, he could have easily allowed this rejection to corrupt his worship. His hands were bloody from defeating enemies that were coming against God's people. But here he is with his greatest desire, and God says no. And the end of David's life could have been full of envy, anger. But First Chronicles 29.2, we see how David responded. He said, that I have prepared with all my might for the house of my God. Let me help somebody right now. David did not dwell on what he couldn't do. David fixated on what he could do for the kingdom of God. I'm preaching to somebody. Amen. It's my, it, it's my desire that everybody becomes preachers. It's my desire that everybody becomes musicians. But hear this preacher. You have to walk in the anointing that God has called you to walk in. And David said, I'm not going to fixate on what I can't do. But you know what David did? The Bible tells us, uh, amen, that he prepared with all of his might. Uh, he gathered all the gold and the silver and the precious stones. Uh, and it was a big reason why his son was even able to build the temple in his lifetime. I don't know who I'm preaching to tonight. But there are dreams, there are careers, there are plans that we have that sometimes, amen, I wish I could come here today and just preach that God will bless you and give you everything you have ever, ever wanted. But I got to be real to you today that there are times when the call of God pulls us places, amen, that we don't want to go. There are times when God says no to things that we desire. And instead of fixating on what's forbidden, we have to fixate on what we can do. David said, I can't build the temple, but I'm going to set my children up to build the temple. Can I minister to some elders in the house today? You may not have seen it yet in your lifetime, but it's important that you set the next generation up, amen, for revival, amen, and an outpouring of the Holy Ghost. Because hear this preacher. ARC has to go on. ARC has to outlive us. Come on, this is for our children. We need some babies who are going to be lifting hands. We need some babies who are going to be leading outreach. We need some babies who are going to be on these. But it takes somebody saying, come on, I'm going to set the next generation up. Hear this preacher. Don't allow disappointment to corrupt your worship. That's where Eve fell into trouble. She focused on the one tree that she could not have. And it blinded her to all the trees she could have. And if she was in her right mind, she could have looked around and seen, man, God has given me apples, grapes, peaches. God has given me all of this, but I'm fixated on what I can't have. I'm preaching to somebody. Hear this preacher. I feel the Holy Ghost right now. God has more available for you than what has been restricted. God, hear this preacher. God has more available for you than what he has said no to. But it's critical how you respond when God says no. I can't let it corrupt my worship. Can I tell you? Can I tell you? I'm thankful that God said no to some things in my life. 
I'm thankful that God said no to some things in my life. Because if God would have given me what I wanted, I wouldn't be here today. If God would have given you the job you wanted, you wouldn't be here today. But I'm telling you, you're here and you're filled with the Holy Ghost, and you're on your way to heaven, I'm preaching to somebody, don't let disappointment corrupt your worship. Because hear me, your response determines what will be born. Because sometimes a no is a no, and sometimes a no is a not yet. And sometimes a no is a no so that something greater can be born. Amen. Let's talk about this. Think about Hannah, who we talked about briefly at the start of our sermon. She was barren. She was made fun of. She was provoked day in and day out. What makes it worse, I want you to see this. Hannah's barren. She can't have children. 1 Samuel chapter 1, verse 6, you know what the Bible says? The Bible says that it was the Lord who closed her womb. The Lord was the one that closed Hannah's womb. Why would God close her womb? Because God knew that the closed door would push her to a place in prayer where she would dedicate her boy to the Lord. I need somebody to catch this right now. Hannah would have had a son if God would have gave her what she wanted in the moment. But because God closed her womb, it pushed her to a place in prayer where not only did she have a boy, but Israel gained a prophet. Uh, can I preach to somebody today? Uh, sometimes God says no so that something greater can be born. Come on, sometimes a no means that God has a greater anointing, a deeper calling. Come on, a bigger platform for you. Can I preach to somebody? God knew what was more important than Hannah just having a boy was Israel having a prophet. I'm preaching to you, God has said no, but I feel like it's just a not yet. But if you would pray instead of complain, if you would pray instead of get angry, if you would pray instead of get bitter, there's going to be a greater anointing. There's going to be a greater calling. There's going to be a greater future when you don't allow disappointment to corrupt your worship. Amen. I want to I move on, but I feel to stay here. Hear me. Amen. And I trust, I trust, I pray. Amen. Let me tell you, I'm very careful the way I talk to God's people. Amen. I understand and, and know I'm going to be judged for every word. that, And this is not coming, amen, from, for, I, I pray that you understand my spirit today. I'm trying to help somebody. But hear me. We cannot allow our worship to fluctuate. Hear me. If you could get this, I'm telling you, it will change your life. It will change your walk with God. When, hear me, when you don't allow your worship to fluctuate based off of how good you deem that God has been in your life. I'm trying to, I'm trying to help. Hear somebody, hear me. You cannot allow your worship to fluctuate based off of how good you deem your life is at the moment. Let me tell you why you should always praise God. If I were to read Psalms 150, we would all quote it. <laughs> Psalms 150. We read, we read all the way, we read all, we read all the way to the end of the story. Let everything that hath breath praise you the Lord. But we skip over Psalms 150, verse 2. You know what the Bible says? It says, Praise him according to his excellent greatness. 
And when you get a revelation of the excellent greatness of God, you understand that there's never a reason to stop praising him. Because even though life is bad, he's still good. Even though I lost my job, he's still good. Even, even though I feel like I'm going to lose my mind, he's still good. Come on. What would happen in this place today if we praised him for who he is and not how good our life is? Come on. I'm going to preach to some workers in the house today. You know what that looks like? That looks like a long eight hours. You say, well, you preach for a living. No, amen. For 10 years, I've done electrical work. I know what it's like to work a long eight, 10, 12 hours. And then we get to the house of God. And we take our foot off the gas because we're tired. But uh, listen, to, listen to me. Sometimes we take our foot off the gas because we had a rough day. But God did not instruct us to praise him according to how good our day is. We are to praise him according to his excellent greatness. Let me ask you a question. Does God ever stop being great? Does God ever stop being good? And if God never stops being good, I should never stop praising him. Woo! I should never stop praising him. I'm preaching to somebody that God's worthy even when I'm walking through the valley of the shadow of death. God is worthy even when I don't have money in my bank account. God is worthy even when family members walk out on me and friends turn their back on me. Hear me. God is good even when someone you love is snatched away from you. We're to praise him according to his excellent greatness. And if I could ever help somebody in this place, let me tell you, some of the greatest moves of God happened when I didn't feel an ounce of the Holy Ghost. Some of us, amen, some of us think like the Holy Ghost is this thing that jumps on you and you respond when it jumps on you. Sometimes you praise to get into his presence. What am I saying? I've had people that didn't feel an ounce of anointing while I was preaching. But they came to the altar and they prayed. And eventually God moved on them. God touched their heart. Can I tell you the greatest moves of God I've ever had? I knelt down out of habit and out of ritual. But somewhere, some way, in that place of prayer, I broke through my flesh. And I got in the spirit. Can I tell you, don't wait till you feel it. Shout. Don't wait till you feel it. Clap. Don't wait till you feel it. Run. Don't wait till you feel it. Give God everything you have. Because I worship him for who he is. And not because of how good my life is. I can't allow my emotions to corrupt my worship. I can't allow disappointment to corrupt my worship. Somebody clap your hands and give God the glory. <laughs> moving quickly, moving quickly. The third area we can't allow to corrupt our worship. This one, not a fun one, is our lack of understanding. We cannot allow our lack of understanding to corrupt our worship. You know what Proverbs 16.3 says? My pastor shared this with me. I say, I, I say this everywhere I go. Proverbs 16.3, watch this. It says, commit thy works unto the Lord, and thy thoughts will be established. You read that, don't you think that's a little backwards? Shouldn't my thoughts be established, and then I commit my works? 
what God is saying here in this verse is sometimes you have to commit your way unto the Lord even when your understanding isn't fruitful. But when you commit your works to the Lord, eventually your thoughts will be established. What am I preaching to? I'm preaching to somebody. Sometimes you just have to make up in your mind. It doesn't make sense. I don't know what's going on, but I'm committing my works unto the Lord. And then my emotions will catch up. Then my thoughts will be established. I'm preaching to somebody. You got to commit your works unto the Lord. It's a simple message I'm preaching. Sometimes you just got to make up in your mind, this is what we do. This is what we do. Even when I don't feel like it, we still pray. Even when I don't feel like it, I still show up to church. Even when I don't feel like it, I still outreach. I'm preaching to you. You can't allow your lack of understanding to corrupt your worship. Amen. This is an, let me tell you why this is important. Because a lot of people struggle dealing with imposter syndrome. Because they're doing things that they feel emotionally distant from. I don't feel like praying, but here I am praying. And we feel like an imposter. But I'm preaching, you got to be ruled by what you know. Hear me. Amen. You have to read the word of God even when you feel distracted and afar off from scriptures. Amen. You can't allow your lack of understanding to corrupt your worship. If you look at Acts chapter 1. The disciples, they misunderstood the mission of Jesus. When someone is passing, you ask them the most important questions. The disciples asked Jesus, is this the time you're going to restore power unto the kingdom of Israel? They had been with him three years and still didn't get what God was trying to do. And you know what Jesus said to them? It's not for you to know. But you will receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And he instructs them to go to Jerusalem. Their understanding wasn't fruitful. They were missing the bigger picture. They were asking God, now you're leaving. Are you about to restore power? And he said, go to Jerusalem. It didn't make sense. But when they responded in obedience and they went where God told them to go, even though their understanding wasn't fruitful, the Bible says that when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all in one place and one accord. And suddenly the there came a sound from heaven like as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. Can I tell you, there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire. I'm telling you, they didn't, they didn't understand, but when they committed their ways, their thoughts were established. The Holy Ghost came. The Holy Ghost filled them. But first, they had to commit their works unto the Lord. I'm preaching to somebody today. There are answers you want. There are answers to questions you've been asking for a long time. And I'm going to tell you today under the Holy Ghost uh, that your answer is coming when you commit your works unto the Lord. Your answer is coming when you commit your works unto the Lord. I'm preaching to somebody today. The reason you're not seeing the hand of God unfold in your life is because you fluctuate with your emotions. When God is good, we shout. We praise God. When God blesses us, we, we want testimony service. But when we feel like God hasn't been good to us, come on, we stop worshiping, we stop praising, we stop showing up to church. But I'm trying to preach, this is how you get through. This is how you get through a storm. You understand that even in the storm, God is good. Even in the storm, God is good. Because a storm. 
Even in a storm, God is doing something. Even in a storm. Even in a storm, you know what, you know what a storm does? It reveals to us two things. It reveals to us something we didn't know about ourselves, and it reveals to us something we didn't know about God. Peter, Peter never knew he could walk on water until he had went in the storm. Peter realized that he was capable of doing much more when he got in the storm and God revealed what he was capable of. Can I tell you, when Peter left that storm, there's no way you could walk on water and go back to believing God for the same things. Can I tell you, after he walked on water, he started believing God for more. But God had to pull him Hear me, God had to pull him into a storm so he could pull out the greatness that was dormant inside of him. Can I tell you, when God pulls you into a storm, it's to pull something out of you that you didn't know was there. I didn't, amen. If I was in a storm and walked on water, I would say, man, God, if you could do this, what else can you do? It revealed something to Peter that he didn't know about himself, but it also revealed something about God that he didn't know. Because they left there and they said, what manner of man is this, that even the winds and the seas obey him? Can I tell you the revelation they received about Jesus is that he's the God of the winds. He's the God of the storm. He's the God of the seas. You didn't know that before you went in the storm, but, I, but when you went in the storm, I pulled it out of you. You can't let your lack of understanding corrupt your worship. Even when you don't understand it, God is working all things together for your good. Somebody shout amen. 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 The fourth and final. Amen. Someone say final. Amen. 35 minutes. Amen. We're, We're doing good. Praise God. Amen. The fourth and final area you can't allow to corrupt your worship, right? So we can't let lack of understanding. We can't let disappointment. Amen. The fourth and final way, we can't let hypocritical people. The fourth thing you can't allow to corrupt your worship is life itself. Job was a man who had it all. And in one moment, Job lost it all. Job was a man on top of the mountain. And then he had messengers come and tell him, Amen, that his, that his children died. He had messengers come and tell him that his cattle had died. Amen. Person after person came and was telling Joseph what he had lost. The Bible says, watch, this is how Job responded. In Job chapter 1, verse 20, after he received the news that everything that was important to him had been lost, the Bible says he rents his mantle. And shaved his head and fell down upon the ground. And the Bible doesn't tell us that Job complained. The Bible doesn't tell us that Job cursed God. The Bible doesn't tell us that Job ran away. The Bible didn't tell us that Job went to find another church. The Bible tells us that Job fell on the ground and he worshiped God. Because Job understood that he couldn't allow life to corrupt his worship. Amen. Let me tell you why this is important. Amen. Is it is it possible? Live stream, praise God. Amen. 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 
<laughs> we good, brother? We're good. Let me tell you why this is important. Amen. This, 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 we lost my pastor at the end of this year. I remember a moment I was in the hospital with him, and Larry Booker comes walking in. Larry Booker prays with him, and the Holy Ghost met us. The Holy Ghost flowed. And, and I don't want to get into too much detail, but the last days of my pastor's life weren't the most comfortable. There was a lot of pain. There was a lot of suffering. And Bishop Booker asked my pastor a question. He simply asked him how he was doing. Life had taken everything away from him, his health. Amen. It, it took away his ministry. He wasn't going to be able to preach again. And I want you to see how he responded when life hit him. He quoted the same thing that Job quoted in Job chapter 1, verse 21. When Bishop Booker asked him how he was doing, he said, Naked came I into the world, and naked will I return. The Lord gives and the Lord takes away. And as tears fell down that man of God's face, he said, Blessed be the name of the Lord. Because he wasn't going to let life corrupt his worship. He wasn't going to let what came and what went corrupt his worship. And how much more should we, here in all of our health, here walking in here with breath in our body, how could we allow life to corrupt our worship when there have been men of God who have given everything, everything, for the call of God. I'm preaching. You can't let life corrupt your worship because sometimes life's not good. Sometimes life's not fun. Sometimes life is hard. Hear this preacher. I know what it's like for life to be hard. I understand what it's like to have nothing. To have nothing. I know what it's like. I know what it's like to preach to people that God was going to bless them. I know what it's like for my family to sit in services where I preach and teach how God was going to give financial blessings and I needed God to do it for my family. But I'm telling you, uh, come on, I don't know what's going to happen in this life, but I do know that when God calls us home, every wrong will have been made right. I don't have all the answers. It rains on the just and on the unjust. But I'm telling you, we're going to a place where the tears will finally stop falling, where the pain will finally go away. Come on, I'm telling you, when you hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant. And when you stand before Jesus, everything I went through in life will not matter. The only thing that will matter is did I let it corrupt my worship? We praise God for who he is. We don't praise God for what we have. We praise God for who he is. We don't praise God if he does the same thing in my life that he did in my neighbor's life. I don't know why God works the way that he works. He blesses others. And sometimes we want to see God do it in our life, but I'm preaching to somebody. Don't let it corrupt your worship. If you could ever, if you could hear anything I say, stop serving God based off of how you feel and what you think and serve God based off of who he is and what's written in his word. I'm telling you, there's some people under the sound of my voice, as the musicians come, there's some, there's some people under the sound of my voice that for years, you know the call that God has placed on your life. 
You know the ways that God has called you to serve here in this church. But you've held back. You've held back, maybe because of one of the areas I preached about today. But I'm telling you, if you will sow in the kingdom of God, if you will give ARC 100% of what you have, I'm telling you, there's going to be revival in your home, and there's going to be revival in this church. I'm preaching to somebody. Your children are going to be saved. Backsliders are going to come back. But it's going to happen when there are people who worship him for who he is and make up in their mind when things come and when things go. You know what my response is? When the devil begins to whisper in my ear, you won't corrupt my worship. You know what my response is? When family members walk out on God, you won't corrupt my worship. You know what my response is? When I lose my job, you won't corrupt my worship. Come on. Come on. My health can go. My finances can go. My material possessions can go. But you know the one thing the devil can't take away from me? It's my worship. It's my worship. It's my worship. That's what Job realized. Health was gone. Family was gone. Children were gone. Possessions were gone. But he fell on his face and he worshiped God because the devil can't stop me from worshiping him. This world can take a lot of things, but we got to make up in our mind. The one thing you can't take is what is between me and God. I'm preaching to somebody. Hear me, Elkanah. Go down one more time. Sacrifice again. I know there's corrupt priests. I know life is hard, but make up in your mind you won't corrupt my worship. I'm preaching to somebody today. You've had chronic depression. You have, you have chronic anxiety. You have things that are plaguing your mind. But hear this, preacher. What God wants to do in this altar call right now is he wants to anoint your head with oil. He wants to anoint your head with oil. This is the last thing I'll share, and I'll get out of the way. God's going to move. And if you're hearing the sound of my voice and you don't have the Holy Ghost, amen, I want you to come up here first. If you respond, God is going to fill you today. But hear me. When you study this scripture out, you realize that, that, that sheep, they would have flies that plague them, plague their eyes. They, it, they would get infections. And these infections would be so bad that these sheep would bang their head. They would get caught in the fence because they were under so much pain and turmoil. And so what the shepherd would do is he would anoint that sheep's head with oil. And the flies and the bugs, amen, would come out, amen. And, he, and, and when he would bang his head into something, he wouldn't get stuck because of the anointing oil. Can I tell you what God is going to do here today? God's going to anoint somebody because the devil's going to come. Guess what? The devil's going to come back. The, the thoughts are going to come back. But I'm telling you, if you come down here to this altar, there's an anointing that the lies and the whispers of the enemy, they can't get to me because I'm anointed with oil. And God is protecting my thoughts. And God is protecting my mind. But I'm preaching to somebody. you got to make up in your mind. I'm not going to let any of these things corrupt my worship. This worship is between me and God, me and God. And so first, if you're here today, hear this preacher. You don't have to worry about anybody here. If you're here today under the sound of my voice and you don't have the Holy Ghost, these altars are open for you. These altars are open for you. If you want to know what it's like to not just feel God on the outside, but feel God on the inside, I want you to come down to this altar right now. Would you, every hand lifted. 
every eye closed. Come on, if you need Jesus, I want you to come right now. I've been preaching and God's been speaking to you. I want you to come down to this altar right now. Your miracle is in your response. Your miracle is in your response. Come on, God has a blessing and an anointing for you, but you got to walk down here today and you're going to leave forever changed. If there are some saints in the house of God that you've been struggling with some things, your worship has fluctuated, I want you to come down here right now. I want you to gather around the front right now. God is going to anoint you and give you the victory over what you're facing. I want the church to begin to pray. I want the church to begin to pray. Come on, if you need something from God, don't miss out on your moment. Would you lift up your hands? Would you lift up your voice? Come on, ARC, I need some saints to begin to pray right now. God's about to do something in this service. Would you lift up your hands and your voice and begin to pray all over this house? And somebody needs to make this declaration right now. I'm not going to let you corrupt my worship. Come on, somebody needs to pray that prayer right now. You're not going to corrupt my worship. You're not going to corrupt my worship. You're not going to stop me from worshiping God. That's it. Come on, lift up your voice. As they sing, I need every hand lifted. I need everybody praying all over this house. God's about to pour out his spirit in this house. I will see. 
of the good things of God.